Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my king, would die for me. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Jesus, it's so good to sit here, stand here, to worship with you. To worship a God that deserves everything. To be in this moment in adoration to see you clearer and clearer. And that we're here right now because we came for you. We came to see you and no one else. You're that one thing that we need above all else. You're that one thing that we want. And if it's not in us, if that's not our desire right now, God, would you fix that in us? Would you continue to make in us a new desire, a new want, a new heart, making us a new creation where we would want you. We'd want heavenly things. And we pray for the faith to have that. We pray that your spirit would wash over this, this sanctuary right now, this room, this fellowship. And God, would you show up? Would you, you know, even when we don't know it, even though we don't see it, you will, you're working, Lord, you're doing things in our families, you're doing things in our lives, in our workplaces, and all we got to do is trust you. We pray that we would trust you with the things that are evident and the things that are seen and even the things that we keep in darkness, things that we keep holding secret. God, you care about those things too. So God, we pray that we'd bring all things into the light. Tonight, we'd be able to confess all things to you. We'd be able to really just embrace you. You don't want us for what we could be, well, you want us where we are right now. You want us as we are right now, Lord. So we pray that you would help us, give us the faith, the boldness to step into that, step into that commitment with you, step into that love with you. And tonight, would it just be one more night closer to you? And God, would you be here for all of us? And would we see you? And would we love you more clearly and more deeply? Thank you so much for worship. And we praise your name, Jesus Christ. Psalm 32, a mascal of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Salah, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I do not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Salah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. 
Salah. Okay, let's, let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for allowing us to have this space and time together as an ohana tonight. We have been in your presence in song, in fellowship prior, and even in the reading of your word, and now in the teaching, in the study of it. Alert all of our brains, alert all of our hearts, get our blood flowing, uh, grant us an energy that is worthy of the Bible. And even as we um, continue this series now, um, let it be a time uh, as we engage in prayer with you, that all of us in here, all of us in here, every single soul that is participating in this moment right now would not leave this evening without truly encountering the presence of the living God, without really entering into prayer. So even now as we're praying, if our hearts and minds are truly engaged and we're, we're with you, this is already a successful gathering. For as was prayed earlier, we are here to know Jesus Christ and give him glory, period. And so the psalmist says, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. So set us on fire now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, this is good. This is good, actually. This, Psalm 32, is not a prayer of confession. Psalm 51 is a prayer of confession where, you know, Nathan calls David out on all the sin that he's in. He's got a lot of baggage. He committed adultery. He lied. He caused the murder of a best friend. Dude was bad. The guy who wrote Psalm 32 was bad, naughty, very naughty. And he had a lot of heaviness, a lot of guilt, a lot of secrets that he was hiding. Psalm 32 is an instruction of conversion. It's now, this is this Psalm that we're studying tonight. It's like David teaching. So in Psalm 51, he confessed. And, and if you read that Psalm, it's beautiful. We might look at it a little bit tonight, but he, he, he goes, have mercy on me against you and you alone. Have I sinned? I was sinful from the time my mom gave birth to me. And then it's, it's, it's interesting. I think it's in verse like 10, 11, and 12. He says, okay, and if you restore to me the joy of my salvation, if you really forgive me, God, I'm going to teach other transgressors your ways. And sinners, they're going to repent and come back. Psalm 32 is him teaching us. So Psalm 32 is not a prayer of confession, but it's a teaching on what confession is. And why I'm excited to look at this tonight is I'm just going to let Uncle David teach us. David's going to show up and tell us something about confession because David has been there, done that. And he's coming to us as a seasoned older guy that is like, dude, I know what it's like to be super messed up in sin. And then I know what it's like to have that sin dealt with and be forgiven and be stoked. And I like you guys to be stoked too. You know, because right now, all of us here, family, look at me, all of us here, even children, look at me, every one of us here, I don't care how young you are or old you are, you and I, we're broken people, and we're living in a very broken world. So all of us tonight have brokenness inside. We all got something, even if you're five, you're sad about something, you're mad about something, you're frustrated about something, even if you're 50. You're still sad about something, mad about something, frustrated with something. You're dealing with something. And all of us are bust up. And, and, and see, the thing is, though, all of us who are broken and bust up, we got these burdens or baggage or heaviness, right? We got stuff on our chest. You ever hear someone say, like, I just got to get something off my chest? You, know, you ever think about where that even comes from? Yeah, it's, it's, it's what we're going to read in Psalm 32 tonight. There's that, the hand of the Lord is heavy on me. There's a guilt. There's something that if there's a, there's a secret in your life that I may not know about, but you would never want anyone here to, to hear or find out. 
It's that stuff that's weighing you down. And all of us broken people in this broken world, even the children here, you and I, we're going to try to figure out how to deal with it. And, and you, you've already tried to deal with it. You, you've had ways of coping. When you're mad or angry or sad or you, you've done something wrong, there's, you reflex and try to do something about it, whether it's you go to the gym and try to blow the steam off or you, you try to do something super fun to ignore what's going on or you try to run and hide or you try to pretend like nothing's wrong. Like all of us have different ways of trying to cope with our sin or deal with our sin. But here's the, let, me, let me give you an insight on something. And this is why we all need a teaching on confession, not to just read a prayer of confession, is that all those ways in which you tried to deal with this, the problem in here, they might help for a little bit. It might feel good for a moment. But, but my concern is that a lot of us are deceived into thinking that we, we have really got it off our chest. Because for the moment, because you went and you called your girlfriend, you blurred, and it felt good to barf it out in that moment. Or you called a brother at church and you confessed all your sin. In that moment, you think, okay, I I did it. I I told the pastor and, oh, that felt better. But let me hear, let me tell you something. According to what David's going to teach us, uh, what if you thought you entered prayer of confession, but you never really did? What if you thought you got that burden off your chest, but you never really did? So tonight is not difficult. It's not confusing. The first verse is he's going to talk about how stoked it is to be the guy who's, who's forgiven. And then the second part, he's going to talk about how bummers it is when, you, when you're not forgiven, when you don't confess. And then the third part, he's just going to talk to you should confess then. But here's the big thing that I want to just hit from the top down. You need to confess to God. You need to confess to God. So that, without further ado, let's kind of work through this text and i pray that if there is if there is brokenness in the house tonight which i believe there is like if there's a secret in your life there's something you think you'll get away with or you hope you could get away with my hope and prayer is that jesus will be on massive speed dial tonight and all of us will go to the only one Only confession of sin can really get that thing off your chest. Nothing else can do it like the prayer of confession. Okay, let's pick it up. Let's go. So the masculine of David, um, it's a masculine is a fancy word for it's a poetic instruction. That's why this psalm, it's not a penitentiary psalm. It's not a psalm of confession. It's instruction. He's teaching now. This is old Uncle David, who's all bust up from life. And he's, it's like, we're the grandkids. And he's like, eh, grandpa got story for tell you. Okay. This is like Papa talk time. Okay. This is old Christian talking to us. He says this. Blessed is the one. Let's go slow. Blessed. Anyone want to take a guess what that word means? What, you, what, is it, what do you think it means, Matthew? That's okay. I forget all the time. What do you guys think? Take a stab. When someone says, I'm blessed, we hear that word all the time. Mm, Oh, I heard it. Holy and happy. Is that what I heard? Holiness is is not exactly what blessed is, but definitely leads to happiness for sure. The holy, happy is all connected, but happiness is where it's at. I mean, that's what it says in the Hebrew dictionary. It's like, you're happy. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Happiness. All of us like to be happy. Happy 
Stoked is the one whose transgression, now we talked about this, that's a word of rebellion. You saw the line, you know you're not supposed to do it, but in your inner, inner hearts, he's like, I'm going to do them anyway. We've all been there, right? Ephesians 2, we all are transgressors. That's why if you tell the child, don't look, what do they want to do? Yeah, we're all born like that. It doesn't, it doesn't, we don't grow out of that, that nature. It's still in us. We're still in our sinful flesh. And so even those of us who are redeemed, that is what we're being sanctified from. But anyway, blessed is the one whose transgression. Now, I just want to pause and breathe it in. Think of every single transgression you could have possibly committed in your life. You don't have enough time, right, to think about them all. But I want you to understand this. Every single transgression transgression is going to cost something. So imagine David saying, <laughs> you want to know who's the blessed one? The brother whose transgression is forgiven. This is coming from a man who committed adultery and murdered and lied and then some. Whose sin, katawa, that's an offense. It's offending the moral standard of God. Guys, these are words that we're so numb to that we ought to be trembling right now. But we're so numb to it. We desensitize ourselves by saying it's just, it's just that no one's perfect. We belittle these words, transgression, sin, zoom forward, iniquity. We talked about that in observation time with Christian. That is speaking of, this is describing a criminal who committed high treason that is, is guilty and under the condemnation of the death penalty right now. And then some, he deserves torture. You got to feel the weight of that. If you don't feel the weight of that, then I don't think we understand when he says, Asre, blessed is the man. That the Lord counts. That's big. You see where it says, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts. Not what your friends count. Not what you count. You can count. I can count you as a pretty okay guy. You can count yourself as a pretty okay guy. But what matters most is what the Lord counts, how he deems, what he thinks, what he reckons you to be. And so he's saying, blessed is the guy whose transgression is forgiven. That's the word nasa, where it's lifted, it's taken off, it's lifted off. That's where we get this phrase of, now it's off your chest. So blessed is the one who all that guilt and weight that we were talking about and feeling a little bit earlier, the part that was making your knees buckle when I was saying you have a secret that you think nobody knows or you don't want anyone to find out. You said something, thought something, done something that you hope nobody ever comes to know. It's that thing that is forgiven. It's lifted. It's gone. It's taken away. And then this word covered, it's, it's the word of an atonement. It's blotted out. You know, like kids, when you make a mistake and you get the eraser or the, the permanent Sharpie and just blot that thing out, that's this word. And then he says, in whom there's spirit is no deceit. Meaning every, now this person is a person who's 
there's no more nothing for hide. Now, guys, let me just hit, hit all these nails together. Forgiven, covered, free, cleansed from iniquity. Who, who can do that? Who's the only one that can forgive? Who? You don't have to be sheepish about it. You can know it. Who? Jesus. Thank you, Matthew. Who's the only one that can atone and cover and blot out sin? Jesus. Who's the only one that can crush and destroy and remove iniquity? Jesus. This is why confessing to your friends just won't do it. This is why confessing to your pastor and stopping there just won't get it all off your chest. You could meet with me a thousand times and pour your heart out. And it might make you feel better because I'm a physical being in your face. But unless we, you truly go to God, you'll never be forgiven. You know, we studied through Acts, right? It made me remember a story of Simon the Magician. You guys remember this in Acts chapter 8? And Peter called him out on his sin. And then Peter said, you need to repent and pray to God. And then what did Simon say to him? Oh, uh, can you pray for me? Interesting. Interesting. Mark chapter 2. Jesus was healing this paralytic. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And all the scribes, the teachers were like, oh, who's this guy that can tell someone to be forgiven? And then they said amongst themselves, is he blasphemer? Because only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus looks at them and he's like, okay, I know what you're talking about. So that you know that the son of man, me, has authority to forgive sins. He heals him. John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist, he says, behold, the lamb of God. Who's the lamb of God? Jesus the lamb, the, the sufficient sacrifice, the perfect spotless, the only thing that's able to cancel out debt. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Guys, only Jesus. They could, this, this might sound like no dub, but think about it. Only Jesus can forgive and set you free. John chapter 8, whom the son sets free, he is free indeed. That's why children... When you did something wrong and you say your apologies, which you're supposed to, and you, you tell us, mom and dad, I've done something wrong. That's a great step. That's good. But honey, son, daughter, you need to also see that ultimately you sinned against God. I want my children, we want our Children, we want our church to learn prayer of confession. And prayer of confession is prayer. It's vertical. Here's what I'm getting at. I wonder if a lot of our prayer times has remained just horizontal. And because you confess to one another, like James says in James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. What we do, though, is we put a big period and pause there. And that's it. And in the moment, you feel relief. I'm so glad I told someone about that. But what we did not do, James says, confess your sins to one another and pray. This is the person. See, guys, when, when we realize that at the cross, our sins were being paid for, that Jesus took that wrath 
in our place that Isaiah 53, when he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities and the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Like when you really realize that, that Jesus is a person and you got to bring this on your chest to him because only him and him alone can actually do something about it. And you confess it to him, to, to God. And then you read stuff like this and realize, okay, now everyone think of all the sins that we've committed, the iniquities, the transgressions, everything that you could possibly imagine right now. And to think, okay, if you bring that to God and you confess that first John 1, 9, he'll say he's faithful and he's just, meaning he is able actually to do something with that burden. I, I can take it. I can bawl my eyes out to my wife about my sin. Am I wrong? But she can't fix me. She can't take it off my chest. What she could do is pray and point me to the person who can. And oh, guys, I don't know about you, but I am a forgiven man. And I'm free. And oh, it feels so good. I sleep like a baby at night. That's this word. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Do you know that forgiveness? Like, are you free tonight? Are you free, free at last? Is, the, is, the, is, is, your, is your soul light? Because this, blessed is the one who's forgiven and free. That's point number one. But I'm just greatly concerned that what if tonight you thought you have confessed your sins to God when in fact you have just confessed your sins to another or to yourself. Even that gets it off your chest a little bit. It feels good when you finally look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, I am, I've done wrong. That's a step. That's something. But here's the thing. Who did you wrong? Psalm 51, David says, against you and you alone have I sinned. Really, David? You killed Uriah. You took Bathsheba. You lied to your countrymen. You didn't sin against these? Oh, yeah, he did. He sinned against all these people. But he's starting to see clearly now, ultimately, I have sinned against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And friends, family, until our souls really bear that and get that, you will never truly enter into a true confession of sin to God. You will not understand Romans 8 when he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. We are free people, Christians. We never have a reason to keep our heads down. We'll go through hard things in this life, but we'll always be able to look at the cross and say, man, in the gamut of life, I'm a free man. I am forgiven. We always have a reason to sing. We always. I hope you're sleeping like a baby tonight. You know when he says in the phrase, and in whose spirit there's no deceit? That's very intriguing to me. Very interesting. Because I wonder now, okay, is it possible to deceive yourself? into thinking that you've confessed. 
I think so. Paul thinks so. Second Corinthians seven, verse nine to 11, he says, I rejoice not that you're grieved. He's calling them out on their sin, but because you were grieved into repenting that you felt a godly grief. Oh, a godly grief, a godly sorrow, and that you suffered no loss through us, but godly grief, it produced this repentance that led you to salvation. No regrets. But there's a worldly grief that produces death. There's a worldly grief. There's a worldly sorry. What does that mean? It's this. Your spirit has deceit. You go through the motions of confession, but you only feel bad that you got caught. See, when, when Nathan called David out on his, his adultery, and he did it very very crazily with storytelling. But when he called him out, if David just felt bad that, oh, shucks, I got found out, that's a worldly grief. There's no desire to repent and know God and can come close. There was just, guys, that's very possible for us to be doing that tonight. It's very possible for me to fabricate tears to look like I am sad. You act like, oh, I didn't mean to watch that in front of your friends. Like, oh, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. Close the, close the laptop where deep down in your, in, your, in your hearts, if they weren't around, there is such a deceit in our souls. Guys, we are, we're very twisted. We're really good at sinning. So if, if you and I are going to experience true forgiveness, true freedom, we have to ask the, the spirit of God to do a miraculous work in causing us to go to God and confess our sins. Well, David's going to keep teaching on this, um, but I hope and pray that in your time of confession, it's not a God, a worldly confession. You're not pretending to be sorry. There's a real transparency. There's an integrity in your heart. Like we're not trying to hide and fake it. That's such a good place to be. Let's keep going. Verse three. When I kept silent, Karash, it's this. Shh, don't tell anyone. When I kept silent, here's the Hebrew word. When I took no action, when I made no moves. Here's it, here's it, here's another definition in the Hebrew lexicon. To be deaf and dumb. <laughs> How's that one? The thought that you think you can cover it up is dumb. But we're so good at it. We do it all the time. It comes naturally, right? So when I was a preschool teacher and I asked, you know, hey, who, who did this over here? The kids weren't like, me, me, me. They're like, right? It's a natural reflex. Well, what, what happened? Oh, who, who broke the, you know, they're, they're, we're not inclined to want to, be right we're, we're more inclined to like our far, like our first parents adam and eve what happened to the, what did they do when they sinned? they hid you want to know where you learned that from it just was built in you for shame shame we say we tell ourselves, you know, no, no one will really find out. We say things to each other like, let's just keep this between us, okay? Let's just. What a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. We are dumb in the moment we think we can cover up and hide.
This is the result, though. When I kept silent, my bones, my bones, the structure that holds your body together. What a picture, huh? The very part of me that keeps me centered begins to waste away. It's a wear out. The Hebrew word is kind of funny, balah. Just all blah. My bones is all blah. Just wasting away. I'm decaying. I'm losing vitality. I'm losing fertility. I no longer feel alive. That's the word. You ever feel like that? Your bones, your insides, your strength. It's, it's a picture of cancer. It's draining you. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, groaning. I don't even want to try to pronounce the Hebrew word. It's so long. I'm going to butcher it. But here's the word for groaning. It's the picture of a lion that's roaring. A lioness in distress that's roaring. You're just, oh, all day long. Look at that. And then on top of that, the hand of the Lord is heavy. It's a, it's a pushing down. The part of your body, for the, the, his arm, that's, the hand is, is a picture of the, sh- the arm all the way to the fingertip, and it's pushing down. The strength, the power of God is just weighing you down. You know what that's like? My strength is dried up. This is a crazy picture. Here's the point. Concealing sin is a cancer for the soul. Don't give God the silent treatment, children, friends. Don't keep silent. Let me encourage you a little bit, though. If, you're, if you have secret sin right now present in your life, if there's something you're dealing with, and you're, you're reading this and you're feeling it, I want to encourage you in this. That is so good. Hear the right part? I'm not happy you're feeling heavy and drained and weighed, but it tells me you're alive. You're alive. See, the worldly person can live with their sin for a little bit. Eventually, it's going to find them out, and eventually they're going to wish they never, they, they've repented. But the Christian, the, the person who, who's a believer, when you sin, you can't go very far without looking sick. It just, it just you, can't, you can't live in you anymore. This is what helps you distinguish whether you're truly a believer or not. Let me ask you a question. If you thought, if I told you, hey, there's whatever sin you're committing, hey, you can really get away with it. If you thought you could get away with whatever it is you're doing in secret tonight, in your heart, in your inner, inner hearts, would that be like, oh, (laughs) Jerry? And would you believe that and kind of get away with it? Or would you feel sick? Just test yourself. See, David is saying from experience, no. When I tried to conceal my sin, it was like cancer. For my soul, you know what it also does? It's a callous maker for your heart. The more and more you keep silent, the more and more you stop going to God, you don't go to him and you just go to your friends or you go to this or you go to that or you try to go to the gym and work it off or you try to play as many games as you can to distract yourself or you try to tell yourself lies and lies and lies. It's just going to go away. It'll be okay. What ends up happening to your heart is it becomes callous and you're numb. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. That's Proverbs 28, 13. 
guys, the more you keep hiding, the more you keep quiet, you're not going to prosper. You're going to be stunted. You're not going to grow. It's a lie to think you can hide from God. Just remember that. It's a lie to think you can hide from God. Hebrews 4.13 says this, no creatures hidden from his sight. All are naked, exposed to the eyes of whom we must, we must, we must give an account. Why do we keep silent, guys? Why do we hide? It's, it's pride. We're shame. It's embarrassing. Paul says that in Ephesians. It's, it's shameful to even mention what we do in secret. So I, I get that. I empathize with that. But the Bible, the Lord is calling us, just come. Come. You're not fooling nobody. You can't punk God. None of us here can fool God. It's a, it's, it's a lie to think we can run and hide and get away. There's no fooling him, church. So what do we do? Let's read on. Point was concealing sin is a cancer to the soul. Verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to who? To who? To God. To your best friend? To just your pastor? To just one another? It's right to do that. There's a place for that, but it's a, it's a, it's a step stone. To God, I acknowledge. Look at this where he says, I acknowledge, I did not, I will confess. This is David now in his heart. God did a number. This is the turning point. You know what? I'm tired of hiding. I'm done with it. I ain't going to conceal. I'm not going to cover up anymore. I'm coming into the light. This is a big turning point moment. It's like Luke 15. Remember prodigal son? Remember that story? He took the father's inheritance, ran off into the distant country. He just lived like a devil. And then he started eating out with the pods of the pigs. And he just found himself in the, in the gutter, in the dumps at the worst moment. And then there's this crazy line that Luke writes. He says, and then I came to myself or I came to my senses. And I said, the servants in my father's home are better than I'm going back to the father. It's a turning point moment. And when he got to the father, he confessed. He just, I'm unworthy. It's the turning point moment. This is David writing for us. And this is the turn. I will acknowledge my sin. I'll put my finger on it. I'm going to call it for what it is. Ain't no hiding from you. You're pressing in on me, Lord. There's a guilty conscience I have. I'm being convicted. I'm not progressing. If I keep silent, this is killing me. So finally, I'm going to acknowledge my sin to you. I ain't going to cover up no more. That means I'm going to be totally honest, completely exposed. I'm not going to let myself get away with just these little shallow sorries. And yeah, you know, I'm just struggling. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really uncover what's going on in here. And I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And here's the beautiful part. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Selah. I'm imagining David writing this. And then right when he hits that end part, he just drops his, they didn't have pens back then, but he just dropped whatever he was using and just had a moment. Just had a moment. Why we keep silent? Why God's not on speed dial? 
why we go to everyone else first. I hope the Bible is correcting us and telling us that's foolish, that's wrong. When you are in the dumps, you could be in the worst situation tonight. You could be head over heels in the, the most heinous, disgusting sin you could imagine yourself to have ever even thought you could do. I'm telling you, tonight's the night. Today is the day of salvation. Run. Run to Christ. Acknowledge your sin. Truly confess your sins to God. Psalm 51. That's a beautiful part. That's him just running to God. I know my transgressions. This is him acknowledging it. And my sin is ever before me. I see it now. I am not in denial anymore. I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. You ever talk like that to the Lord? Like, God, I, I wronged you. I hurt you and you didn't deserve it. You know, I was, found myself just kind of moving myself through my journals from 2004, 5, and 6 and just reading my prayer journals. And I would say 80 to 90% of my prayers was acknowledging sin. I just was so like, I was just reading them. I was like, oh, and I was calling myself out. I am this. I've done this. I thought this. This is where I went. This is what I was thinking. All caps, just exclamations. My pages were just crazy. Like, I make, I'm just, I'm becoming aware though, God, that it's you and you alone that I've sinned against. Like the one who bled and died for me. And you forgave me. Right? We sing amazing love. How can? How can? This is so beyond. Do you know prayer of confession like that? Or is it just simple? My bad. You know, no one's perfect. Whoopsie. You just, we just make light of our sin and we move on. We'll tell a buddy or tell a friend. Or, and we feel enough pressure left us to just move on through the week. Nothing got off your chest, brother, sister. Nothing got resolved until you confess your sins to God. Then and only then, here's the point. Confession of sin results in restoration. Restoration. And you forgave my iniquity. This is where the healing begins. 1 John 1, verse 8 to 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And here we go. Cleanse us. That's when healing begins. This is when healing begins. When you acknowledge your wrong. Guys, this is a life, though, through this journey. This has got to be constant throughout the day. Here's the thing. If you pick up prayer of confession as a part of a way of life, of breathing, and you don't just wait for these epic moments of buildup, oh my gosh, how sweet you rehearse the gospel and the cross again and again and again, and you start to feel this strength rise up in you. And you're cleansed. You're just, you're just, oh, this feels so good. 
that's what we have in store for us, children of God. Blessed is the man. That's who you and I are in Christ. It's what he's accomplished for us and given us when he's imputed that righteousness to you. Here's a crazy thing. Say it like this. I just want to let you know, Christian, God's not angry with you anymore. He's not furious at you or I anymore. You're not in trouble. Like Matthew said, he's your hiding place. I love it. Let's finish off and we'll be pal. Therefore, and this is the prescription. This is the teaching from Uncle David. Let everyone who is godly offer prayer. Godly people are praying people. Let everyone who's godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. At a time when you may be found. We'll come back to that. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You're my hiding place. You are a hiding place for me. I just love that verbiage. So dope. Like, Because there's so many times in my day where I just want to run and hide. And I think to myself, oh, I'll run to Jesus. All other hiding places are fake hiding places. They're not real. This is the only one that's real. I'm going to curl up in a ball right there at the feet of Jesus. And you preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Last point and we'll be done. Confess your sins to God while you still can. Today is the day. Tonight is the night. Offer prayer at a time when you may be found. Meaning there's a time where he may not be found. This is why the Apostle Paul, this is why all Christians, we are called to call people, come to Christ now. Tonight, tonight's the night. Children, your eyes are as saucers. If there is something you're bearing, if there's something you're concerned about, tonight's the night, go to God. When we close in prayer and song, that's the moment. Acknowledge it. Pray it under your breath. Say it out loud. And he will forgive. He's able. And do it while you still can. Cultivate it now, church. Plunge into those waters of grace. Nothing else will get this sin off your chest. No one else can, can relieve that burden. Only Jesus. Let me give you some things to think about in closing. Confess in writing. Try. You ever think about it? What's the longest book in the Bible? The Psalms. The Psalms are filled with prayer journals. Is God trying to tell us something? <laughs> Confess. Do it in writing. Like I told you, I was looking at my journals from 2004, 5, and 6. That's such a blessed historical thing I got for myself. Just start. Do something like that. Just confess in writing. If you don't know how to write, that's okay. Create a space and a place for you to go to God honestly. Here's another one. Utilize corporate confession on Sunday when we do it as a church. Things like this. Now's your chance. Now's your time. James 5.16. Get some brothers or sisters that are just going to help you take those step stones there. It says confess your sins to one another and they'll pray. Small group is not a successful small group if we just show up in a circle and we just barf out all of our dramas and then just like hug each other after 
and just say me too, me too. And that's it. That's not, so we have to actually take all, we barf it all out on the table and then we bring all that, whatever you want to call it to God, just bring it all up. Just God help us. Then it's successful. You know, I, I've had to fight to have stuff like that in my life. And I still do to surround myself with bros that are willing to go. But I want to, I want to close in this one. The last thing I would encourage you to do, if you're going to grow in prayer of confession is preach to yourself, the gospel every single day. Preach to yourself the gospel every single day. Remind yourself you're forgiven and free. I don't care what you feel like or what you think of yourself. If you have faith in Christ, this is who you are. Blessed is the man. You're forgiven and you're free. And if you got something on your chest, take it to Christ. I hope and pray. I hope and pray that this week, not only is it filled with prayer of adoration, but you see one way to look at this series of poetry of prayer, it's, all these very varieties of prayer, it's like a big chain link. And all of them are linked together. And all of them complement you. You break one of the, you weaken one of those links. The whole chain is effective. Because think about it. If you start to tap into prayer of confession and to realize how amazing it is that you're forgiven and that he loves you, and that it, it, doesn't that affect your adoration? And round and round we go. Adoration, confession, to it we'll pray team will come up we'll close it in a song but let me plead with you right now don't deceive yourself really take your sin whatever it is you're carrying whatever it is on your chest whatever you're feeling all of that and just go to god go to jesus you will be blessed the Bible says, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the, the energy and the joy that you've given us in this place to study your Bible together. I thank you that all of us are recipients of this grace in Jesus. Man, to think that we can be forgiven. To have all that debt, that weight, that burden lifted. There is no better thing. So please, God, in this moment of closing and song, and perhaps even afterward, I pray that brothers and sisters would utilize the gathering tonight, and perhaps there, there, there needs to be conversations after. There needs to be a confessing to one another and then praying with one another. But God, we, it is my prayer right now that tonight, if our souls are just heavy, if, if we're feeling the weight and the guilt of our transgression and our iniquities, please don't let us slip out of this place and just run and hide. Please don't let us put our masks back up and pretend Everything is justified. Let us acknowledge and come to you while you may be found sooner than later. This life will be done. And we're going to be before you giving our account. Today is the day of salvation. Tonight is the night. Now is the time that we would confess. So draw us in, Lord. 
Give us that turning point moment. Let us come to Christ, we pray. So the Spirit of God leads us to church. Let's sing together and confess our sins to God. Amen. of the Lord and remember no sin is too great for his grace was greater go in peace and we'll see you Sunday Amen